This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. Would you get your hand up real high or ushers would gladly get the Word of God in your hand. Once you get a Bible, you're going to go with me to the book of Acts chapter 2. We again are on our series here on the Holy Spirit, so we'll uh, head a little bit of a different direction today. Just as Shelley said, I, I welcome you to open your Bible. Only the truth will set you free. So, so far, most of our time has been talking about the, the inward manifestations of the Holy Spirit, and I believe those are very precious. I've seen what the Lord has done on the inside of me through the Holy Spirit, and so Again, you want to be biblical in this area because just as the Lord desires everybody to be born again, he also desires us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So we'll jump in here a little, little deeper here the mor- this morning. Acts 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. We talked about that last week, the significance of being in unity in one accord Actually, Psalms 133.3, it says that's the place where God commands the blessing in the place of unity. So go back and listen to that podcast, verse 2. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Now, it wasn't a wind, but it was like the sound of a wind, suggesting the mighty unseen power of the Holy Spirit, kind of like the wind. I've never seen the wind. I've seen the effects of the wind, but I've never seen the wind. Kind of like the Holy Spirit, okay? Verse 3, then there appeared to them divided tongues of fire, and one set upon each of them, not fire, but like fire. Now, John warned of this back in Matthew 3, verse 11. He said that you would receive the Holy Spirit and you would receive fire. And and when he talks about fire here, the outward manifestation of the Lord's presence. And he said, each one of them had this come upon of them. So individually, every one of them had the presence of the Lord come upon them. So if we had time, we'd go to Exodus 19, which literally talked about, remember when the Israelites came out of Egypt and they were on the way to the promised land, they were led by the, uh, the pillar of fire, which literally meant the presence of the Lord and his leading and his guiding. Romans eight fourteen. those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons and daughters of God. So the infilling of the Holy Spirit here, of the fire and the wind, you begin to see some, some significance of it. Verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And sometimes when we get over on that phrase right there, begin to speak in other tongues, people literally freak out. He's going to go charismatic on us. They're going to go crazy on us. And so a lot of this morning, we're going to highlight just the gift of the speaking in other tongues. But it's interesting, it says that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And because they were filled with the Holy Spirit, one of the manifestations, they begin to speak with other tongues. How did that happen? As the Spirit gave them utterance. 
And we've got to read into this a little bit, okay? If you note here, they, they didn't enroll at the junior college for some classes on how to speak in other tongues. You know, I think a lot of times we have that thought because that's the way I learned to speak English, Spanish, French, whatever language. We take a class and we learn. But in this sense, it says that the Spirit gave them utterance. And when you study the praying in other tongues, the Bible says your mind is unfruitful. Your mind cannot comprehend it. But it's interesting that it says, and the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, I've seen for many years, I've been around a long time. I'm, I'm two days older and dirt anymore. But it says the Spirit gave them utterance. And I don't know how many times I've seen people that got ready to be filled with the Holy Spirit that bless people's darling hearts but stupid heads. That they would say stuff like this, just say this after me. Rondi, shondi, tie my bow tie. Now say that as fast as you can. Rondi, tondi, shine my bow tie. See, you got it. You got filled with the Holy Spirit. You didn't get filled with nothing but a bunch of junk. Say this with me. Shoulda bought a Honda. Now say that real fast. Shoulda bought a Honda. Shoulda bought a Honda. Woo, you got it. And I look at all the weirdness and I think, dear Lord, no wonder why people are so down on the Holy Spirit and praying in other tongues. Yabba, dabba, do. Now say that real fast. And you find out real quick why people can get so goofed up in this. But there's another side of this that I, I believe that grieves the Holy Spirit, that the gift of the Holy Spirit, and I will highlight again, it's just by one means of the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, but it would be so divisive. God never intended it for it to be divisive. So we jump, same chapter, verse 16. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel, way, way back, way, way back. Hundreds of years, maybe thousands of years before this. If you want to study it, it's Daniel, Hosea, the book of Joel, chapter 2, verses 28 through 32. And I'm, I'm going to read it here, but I'm going to set the table a little bit. The prophet Joel said it would be a universal outpouring. It would be multi-generational. It would be gender inclusive. How do we know that? Well, let's pick back up here. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God. Not man, says God. Thus saith God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. Now, it's interesting to me all the things that were said here. Now, I'll pour my spirit on all flesh. I, I will splash my spirit over all flesh. And if you read into that what he said, the young, the old. The sons, the daughters, the old men, the young men, the slaves, the free. 
But what I begin to look at here is something that's very interesting. The manifestations that the prophet Joel prophesied of, which was dreams and visions and prophecy, not one of those were mentioned in the manifestation of the Holy Spirit in the outpouring on the day of Pentecost. But on the day of Pentecost, the outpouring of the Spirit of God of wind, fire, and praying in other tongues, not one of those was mentioned in Joel's prophecy. And I'll just throw another one in there for you real quick. Romans 14, 17 says, The Spirit of God is not in eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy all in the Holy Spirit. So I list a number of manifestations of the Holy Spirit but none of them were the same. So I believe right here the Lord is telling us the diversity of the gifts of the Spirit or the manifestations of the Holy Spirit that will come upon mankind. Now for years in my life, I, I never saw visions. I knew people who did. Man, something's happened to me in these last few years. I've started dreaming dreams. And I really don't like that thought because it said the old men will dream dreams. And I thought, I'm not old, though, Lord. I'm not old. I, I dream quite a bit now. I mean, I, I can share some of the dreams with you sometime, but it's amazing. But there's manifestations that I've experienced that you haven't experienced, but there's manifestations, manifestations you've experienced that I hadn't experienced. But it doesn't make me any worse or better than the other person. Now, I, I don't know if you've ever heard of this guy, but his name is Watchman Nee. And Watchman Nee was a prisoner in the, the prisons of China for being a man of God. Anytime you can read his books, read his books. But Watchman Nee told a guy while he was in prison, the guy said, how will I know when the Holy Spirit has come upon me? And Watchman Nee said, I can't tell you how you'll know. But he said, you'll know. You'll know. Because the outwards of the manifestation as the Holy Spirit is as the Holy Spirit comes upon us. It's something that, that God births within every one of us. So I, I, I love to study the Word of God. And so I began to do a little studying through the book of Acts, and I looked at the, the manifestations that took place, but I also looked on how people were filled with the Holy Spirit. So I came to this conclusion in Acts 2, the apostle Peter, he gets filled with the Holy Spirit. He begins to speak the word of God with incredible boldness, and it says that he cut him to heart. And because the word of God cut him to heart, they said, what do we do? And Peter said, repent of your sins, get born again, and be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's all he said. Just be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it ends. That's all he said. But I go to Acts 8. And Peter and John, they, they get into an area where they had heard the people of Samaria had received the word of God and it said that they prayed for him that they would receive the Holy Spirit. That was it. 
No manifestations. Acts 9. A guy named Saul who becomes the apostle Paul gets born again. Loses his vision. The Lord speaks to a man named Ananias and said, Ananias, you got to go pray for this dude named Paul. And Ananias said, I don't want to pray for him. He's a bad dude. The Lord said, you got to, and I want you to tell him how many things he's going to suffer for my name's sake. And then he said, and I want you to lay hands on him that, number one, he would be healed, and number two, that he would be filled with the Holy Spirit. Healed and filled. That's all it said. It ended. But Acts 10, there's a Gentile named named Cornelius. Cornelius has a hunger for the things of God. Peter shows up, and Cornelius and his whole family get born again. And then Peter says in Acts 10, 34, he said, I perceive that God's no respecter of persons. And then he prays for Cornelius and his family to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it said, they spoke with other tongues, and they magnified God. And I said, Lord, that's different. Acts 19, the apostle Paul found some believers and he said, hey, fellas, did you guys get born, did you get filled with the Holy Spirit since you got born again? And they said, we didn't even know anything about the Holy Spirit. And so it specifically says, Paul laid his hands on them and they spoke in other tongues and they prophesied. So as I looked at this over and over again, I saw all the different manifestations But even the way they were filled with the Holy Spirit, some they were prayed for, some they laid hands on. Why do I highlight that? Because I think a lot of times in our life, we've had these spiritual prejudices and these uh, spiritual misconceptions, and we try to keep God in this box. And not only that, we we've had this learned doctrine where we can kind of make excuses for what we believe. But I look at I think, what would happen if we would just be biblical? So I got to tell you these real quick. These four people. These people aren't in the Bible, but they're great men and women of God in the 18s and 1900s. And I want you to listen real close to the manifestations. The first one, a guy named R.A. Torrey. He'd been in the ministry for years in his life, and he said, thank God God had pity on my ignorance, but he was a Methodist. He said, not only was I a Methodist, he said, Methodists by nature were very quiet. He said, but I also had a quiet temperament, but he said, when the Holy Spirit came upon me, he said, I began to shout. I shouted. He said, it rocked the Methodist church when I would shout. What was the manifestation? He shouted. The next one, a man named D.L. Moody. He said when he was uh, filled with the Holy Spirit, this overwhelming love, this undescribable love came upon him that he said, I never changed the way I preach, but because of the Holy Spirit's love, he said hundreds and thousands would get born again in my meetings just because the Holy Spirit would manifest in love. I said, Lord, I, I could probably use a little of that one. The next one, a man named Charles Finney. He said, when the Holy Spirit was poured out upon me, he said, I would just begin to weep. 
I would just cry and cry. But he said it wasn't a cry of sorrow, it was a cry of joy. Do you know I've had that happen to me? There's hardly a service that goes, goes by that I don't weep. I just begin to cry. And I'm like, quit, quit. Quit crying. You know, growing up, my mom and dad are in here. They'll attest to you this to you. I never cried growing up, except if I lost in football. I mean, I, I've had stitches, my face, my mouth, my head, everywhere. I'll never cry. But if I lost in football, I, I was a horrible loser, too. But when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, I cry all the time. It's not a cry of sorrow, it's a cry of joy. The last one, a great woman of God named Catherine Kuhlman had some of the most miraculous miracles would take place in her services. People would never be touched. Just the Spirit of God would come in here. But I was reading about Catherine Kuhlman one day and it said she prayed in other tongues hours a day, but no one ever heard it except her close associates. But there was such a, a manifestation of miracles. And I begin to think about all the, the diversity of the Holy Spirit. And so how he manifests in you may be to look different than me. For time's sake, I, I'm going to have you go with me to, to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians 14, and I'm, I'm skipping some things because I get to telling too many stories, but I think they're appropriate. So when you go to 1 Corinthians, when Paul wrote to the church of Corinth, it was a letter of correction because multiple errors had crept into their church. So they needed a theology adjustment, just like I believe every one of us do. So part of the problems were doctrinal problems, but, but also they had some errors that were going on over and over. There's eight different problems that he addresses. And so when the apostle Paul shows up, he lets them know that he doesn't come in this lofty speech in the persuasiveness of men's words he wasn't trying to say look how gifted of a speaker i am it talks about how humble he was and then he says this is first corinthians 2 verse 5 he said i didn't come by human opinion but i came in power and demonstration of the holy spirit so i look over and over about what he has to say we cruise into 1 Corinthians 14. I want you to look at verse number 1. Pursue love. He tells them pursue love. The, the number one goal, the ultimate issue, is that you got to pursue love. The love of God. Pursue love. Desire spiritual gifts. It's good to pursue spiritual gifts but especially that you may prophesy. When it talks about especially that you may prophesy, the message says prophecy is just to proclaim a truth. Now, you may prophesy, but that doesn't make you a prophet, okay? Not even close. The gift of prophecy can come upon us. 
Do you know the Bible talks about that when someone gives you a prophecy, you have the right to judge that? You know what that means? If it doesn't bear witness with you, you can tell them, uh-uh, I've done that. I had a lady one day come up to me and say, the Lord told me to tell you your wife is going to get pregnant with child number three. I looked at her like a cow at a new gate. And she said, you ought to be happy. You ought to show some joy. And I said, well, first of all, I want to reply to that. Number one, I don't desire to have any more kids. I mean, Chandler Kennedy's back there in the assembly. He likes to have a bunch of kids. He can ha I don't want any more kids. And I said, the next big question that you've got to answer is, I'm a member of the V team. That's a vasectomy. The few, the proud, the V. That's not going to happen. <laughs> you know what happened to that invitation? It sunk real quick. And I want to say, that was a false prophecy, darling. I don't know why I'm getting, I didn't get on that in the first service, I don't think. Verse 2, now watch this, watch this. For he who speaks in an unknown tongue does not speak to men but to God. Now there's a nugget of truth right there. When I speak in an unknown tongue, I don't speak to each other, I'm speaking to God. Wow. Keep reading. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit... He speaks mysteries. He utters secret truths. He shares intimacies with only Father God. Inspire utterances. Okay? Now, just breathe, all right? It's going to be okay. We're going to fill some blanks in here because I know there's a bunch of diversity in here. There's some of you who have never prayed in tongues. There's some of you who have never heard about this. There's some of you that have been in the other ditch that you've been a part of a mental institution where you've just gone crazy. I've seen all this. Remember, I've been around a while. Verse 3. But he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. So... When I prophesy, that is to a human being. Edification, exhortation to who? To mankind. Verse 4. But he who speaks in a tongue, he edifies or builds himself up. Keep reading. But he who prophesies edifies the church. So if we look at this biblically, to speak in another tongue was for my private use. To speak prophecies was in the public use or within the church. Now, it's very clear here that Paul is bringing some correction to the church at Corinth in this area. Verse 5, I wish you all spoke with tongues. I would be delighted if you all spoke with tongues. Who said that? The Apostle Paul the guy who wrote the majority of the New Testament. If that doesn't sink into you, let me help you with that a little bit more. He wrote one more book of the Bible than you and me did. 
He wrote one more verse in the Bible than me and you did. Listen to what he says. But even more that you prophesied, for who prophesies is greater than he speaks with the tongue, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. So you know what he just said? That if there's a, uh, if there's a tongue that's given right here in this corporate place of worship, there better be an interpretation. Under no means should it be given unless there's an interpretation. Thank you, Pastor, for teaching us the truth. But breathe, okay? There's a lot more in here. We're going to answer some incredible questions. Verse 18. I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. The Apostle Paul literally said, I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all put together. So he doesn't reduce the praying in tongues. That's not what he's doing. But pay close attention to what he says in verse 19. Yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. So if this guy prayed in tongues more than they all did, where was he doing that at? Home. In his private, personal life. Now, I've had this question answered to me, and they say, Pastor, do you pray in other tongues? I pray in other tongues. Quite often. Quite a bit. Actually, it's one of the highlights of every morning of my life, but especially on Sunday mornings. A minimum of at least the first hour that I'm in here. But I realize the benefit is for me. Can I, can I give you a little insight on why we pray in other tongues? Write this down, Jude 20. There's only one, one chapter in Jude. It says, building yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Building yourself up. Building yourself in your most holy. Something happens when I pray in other tongues. You know what I believe it is? Why, why do you go to the gym to work out? I want to pump you up. That's what, well, kind of. That's the significance of praying in other tongues. Something happens. I, 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 can, I can be totally honest. I'm at my best in the pulpit when I've prayed in tongues a lot during the week. Another great verse that you need to hear this is Romans 8, 26. It says, there's times in my life that I may not know, I may not know what to pray, but the Holy Spirit does. Have any of you ever been in a place that you don't know what to pray? Quite often. Especially in the middle of the night when I get a phone call and says, they took so-and-so to the emergency room. Pray, Pastor, pray. What do you want me to pray? So I say, Holy Spirit, you know what needs to be prayed. And so I'm going to give you my tongue and you pray it out of me. He gives me the utterance, but I still have to speak it. Let me help some of you with that. The Holy Spirit's not going to get you in a headlock and say, speak, boy, speak. 
He's not going to do that. He's not going to get you when you're at Walmart and you run and get the intercom and say, He's not going to do that to you, okay? Holy Spirit's not weird. People are weird. Just breathe again. Okay, Pastor, you're getting upset here. You're getting excited. The Holy Spirit won't do that, okay? But it's interesting what the Apostle Paul said. I thank God I pray in tongues more than you all. Verse 26. How is it then, brethren, fellow believers, whenever you come together, each one of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification, to build other people up. Not for me to look at you and say, look how spiritual I am. Woo! Lift pastor higher. That's not what it's about. And I believe sometimes within the body of Christ, that's what's happened. There's become an arrogance with stuff that says, man, I, I'm, I'm the man of power for the hour. It says the spirit wills, okay? And that's why I love the apostle Paul because he was very humble. Verse 27, if anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two at the most three, each in turn, and let one interpret. But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church. Well, do we want to be biblical or not? But look at the end of verse 28. There's a huge nugget of truth in here that I think at times has been overlooked. And let him speak to himself and to God. If there was no interpreter in the church, he said, be content with speaking to yourself and to God. Do you know what that means? If you pray, you can do that in here, but it should be to yourself and to God. Why? 1 Corinthians 14, 23 says, when the unlearned come in here and they hear you speaking in other tongues, they think you're demented, you're crazy, you're insane, you're a bunch of granola Christians, you are nutty and flaky, and you'll never see anyone born again. But there's some within the body of Christ would say, oh, well, we're going to have a prophecy party. Well, go ahead, and your church will never get above 100 people, and all it'll be is a bless me club. The ultimate again is you must be born again. Remember the Lord Jesus said that to Nicodemus in, in John 3. He said you must be born again. He didn't say you must pray in other tongues. And so we can be selfish. But it's interesting. He said just pray to yourself and pray to the Father. You may not know this. But that's what I do down here most of the time. Most of you will never hear me because I don't want to cause confusion. I don't want you to look and say, Pastor, he, he's one flew over the cuckoo's nest. He's whack. He's crazy. What would happen if we just obey the Bible? Again, I, I don't downplay that, and I don't believe Paul is either. Verse 38. But if anyone is ignorant, let him be ignorant. Wow. 
Those who reject their responsibility, there's going to be consequences for your ignorance. Paul said, let the ignorant be ignorant. Now, I don't think I need to interpret that for us. Verse 39. Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy, and do not forbid to speak with tongues. Don't hinder to speak with tongues. So the discontinuance of spiritual gifts was not Paul's solution to abuse. That's not what he was saying at all. So what was he saying? Verse 40. Let all things be done decently and in order. The safeguards for assuring order in the surface. I'm not downplaying this at all because if, if I was in a situation where there was six of us in here and we're all filled with the Holy Spirit and we all pray in other tongues, then we're going to be okay praying in tongues together. But if one comes in that's unlearned, we're going to cause some problems, okay? So again, it goes, let's just do things decently in order. You know, one of the the favorite pastors I like to listen to right now is a man named Robert Morris. Robert Morris, and I heard him say this publicly a couple years ago. That he said, I was raised Baptist. And he said, I was on my way to seminary, and the pastor said to me, I'm going to give you one tip here. Whatever you do, stay away from those people who pray in other tongues because that's of the devil. It's not of the devil, okay? That's an ignorant statement. So Robert Morse goes to seminary. Starts reading the Bible. Gets a little theology adjustment. Like we all need at times. One day he's eating dinner with his wife and he says... Do you know, I, I read what the Apostle Paul says about praying in other tongues... And he said, I have that desire to pray in other tongues. And she said, Robert, you already pray in other tongues. And he goes, no, I don't. And she said, oh, yes, you do. She said, I come to bed later, and you in a lot of times at night in your sleep, you're praying in other tongues. You know what he said? I let my mind get in way of my heart. What that means? It's not going to make sense up here, but it's going to do wonders in here. Going to do wonders. You know, there's a man that several of us in this room know. He was a Jewish man. Started dating a little Gentile girl, and the little Gentile girl said, Listen, pal, the only way you're going to date me, you got to go to church with me. He starts going to church with him. One service, he's got to go to the bathroom, so he goes to the bathroom. On his way back into the auditorium or the sanctuary, he walks by this guy who's out in the hallway, and he gets past him, and he looks at the guy and says, you're Jewish. And the guy said, I'm not Jewish. And he said, yeah, you are. And he goes, I'm not Jewish. And he goes, you're praying in Hebrew. 
And the guy said, I don't know Hebrew. I don't know Shebrew. I don't know the homebrew. I don't know Hebrew. And he said, but the prayers that are coming out of you are Hebrew prayers that I learned at a young age. This Jewish man gives his heart to Jesus. And he gets born again. And I'll never forget the statement was, I realize what takes place in the spirit realm when people pray in other tongues. It's something that's wonderful. It's miraculous. It's from God. You stand up here today. I hope I didn't bring confusion. I hope my prayer is that this is very plain and simple. But it's another manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Why don't you bow your head with me? And I go back to Acts 2. The apostle Peter spoke the word with boldness. And it said it cut him to heart. And they said, what do you do? And he said, you got you to repent and you got to get born again. I'm putting that offer out right now. That if you're here today, and Jesus isn't Lord of your life, or you're here today, and, and you've, you've gone backwards... And there's something in here called the Holy Spirit that's moving in your heart right now that's saying, that's you. That's you. If that is you, I, I welcome you just to get out of your seat and come marching down here. And we're going to clap. We're going to celebrate you, okay? If you need to give your heart to Jesus today, I welcome you. We had a guy in the first service, very powerful, what happened. Is there anybody here today that said, that's me? Well, the next thing he said, and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's you, sir. live stream I, that's why I have to stand here but you know what I've been known to break a few rules so I'm gonna come off here I'm okay with it you know the Bible says that when one sinner gives his heart to Jesus all the heaven erupts we, we, we have to celebrate this because this is huge so sir I don't know where you're at you know where you're at but I I, I want all of us to pray this okay and just say this from your heart. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you as a sinner. Father God, I'm sorry that I've sinned. I've broken your commandments. I ask you to forgive me of, of all the wicked things I've done. And Lord Jesus, on July 3rd, I ask you to come into my heart and be Lord of my life. I thank you today, Lord Jesus, 
that my name is registered in heaven. In Jesus' name. We ought to shout on that. I didn't see this. We got more. We need to quit having church when we quit doing that. I believe that's how significant it is. But remember, the Apostle Peter said, Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Luke 11, verse 13, the Lord Jesus said that if you would ask the Father for the Holy Spirit, He would give Him to you. You heard all the references today on the laying on of hands and they got filled with the Holy Spirit. You know what? I, I welcome you down here to get filled with the Holy Spirit. If you want to ask him to come in your arms and say, just fill me with the Spirit of God, Lord. If you want us to lay hands on you, we'll lay hands on you. What the manifestation's going to be, I don't know. My name isn't spelled G little O D. I'm not God. But I believe something's going to happen because he said, if you would ask for the Holy Spirit, he would fill you. So as our team plays here, I, I welcome you to get here. I believe some of you need to be filled with the Spirit of God, and I believe others, you need a fresh filling. So go ahead, guys, let's sing. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.